what helped me is realizing what my purpose on this earth is more so than why are we here because i think if you discover your purpose then that answers the question of at least why you're here you know what i'm saying especially myself i'm the kind of person that i used to take a tv channel this is back in the day kids when you had knobs you had to twist the, the knob to turn the channel seven channel five channel four i would turn between seven and six and i used to see i wonder if a picture pop up and i would do it at different intervals and sometimes an image would come up in between the channels and i think wow image came up so i'm kind of curious like that i'm gonna just mess around with something and see what happens to see if i discover something i like to discover things truth be told i believe that we were prepared to have an open mind to receive that sound of, of acid we were already of the mindset of trying to make something that didn't sound like something else. We were open to almost anything, you know, the sound of a washing machine or, or coffee pot, whatever. We we're just like ready. We like, if we, when we hear, we're going to make a beat behind it. You know, <laughs> when, uh, we got the 303, you know, um, I'm, I'm like, no one knows how to use it. Spanky gets the 303. He calls me up on the phone. I go by his house. I listen to, to what is playing and I'm thinking, what, what is this? Like it's making sounds and stuff. And, uh, Spanky's like, man, I, I don't know how to program this thing. Pierre, give me a hand. Let's, let's figure this out. So I started like it was no directions with the machine because we bought a second hand. So I'm hearing it and I'm like, I started twisting the knobs on it just to see what they do. And I realized it's changing the sound in a way that no other keyboards I've touched would alter the sound like that much. So I'm like changing it and I'm thinking, oh, this is fun. And then I start thinking, okay, this sounds like this. If I turn it this way, it sounds like that. If I turn it this way, if I turn these two at the same time, it does this. And in the meantime, I'm doing this while a beat is playing. So I start doing it on beat and just start vibing with it as if I'm playing a solo because it was already a pattern playing in the thrill through. It was fun doing it. It was just fun interacting with the music like that in real time. And Spanky was like, hey, man, what are you doing? I said, I'm just turning the knobs here and stuff. He said, man, keep doing that. Keep doing that. So we end up doing that for like a next thing, you know, an hour passes by. And Spanky was recording. And when we finished, we thought, you know, we might have something here. We didn't know what to call it, but we just said, yeah, it is something. But who would play it? Spank was like, Ron Hardy. He's just like, Ron Hardy, that's it. And we were like, okay, Ron Hardy it is. So the original name of Acid Track was In Your Mind because I couldn't think of nothing. We could think of nothing. So it was just In Your Mind. And that's really kind of how we even came to that sound being something that we thought would be usable because we were just so open to just being different 
and setting our own standard in our own name so we knew that we had to do something that was unique so we were totally 100% open to doing that thing it's gonna blow everybody's mind the first reaction was playing it for Ron Hardy we went Thursday to play it for him and, and we loved it so we respected him to just be crazy about it but when we played it the song was 15 minutes and he listened to the whole 15 minutes and he didn't even have change an expression the whole time and we were just thinking that was really awkward but right at the end all he said was okay uh when can I get a copy and that was it and we were like okay we'll, we'll give you a copy he said okay come back bring me a copy before Saturday all he said was if I get around to it I'll play it and then we were like okay and we were just thinking well you know maybe just being nice you know but what happened is that day that night I mean when he played it we heard it like really early and the first reaction from the people were just like oh what is this the club starts at like one in the morning so he played it at like really super early like 130 140 and it wasn't that many people there so we were just like oh wow he played it so, you know we we're okay well he played it and then so after that we didn't think of it anymore so we're partying some more then at about like an hour later he drops it again and then we were really high oh, he played it he played it again but the people were like what they were like oh what's he doing they were they were annoyed at the track and we just like oh man they don't like it we were just happy we're like all right fine you know what we we gotta figure out what we're gonna do you know for the next track you know obviously this the same hype and then he plays it again like another hour so it was like he played again and the people they just kept dancing this time because it, it was packed they just danced through it each time he played it though he only played it a short length of time like he didn't play the whole track he played it for like a minute or two minutes and then that was it so you know we were hyped the people were just normal then he comes back in with the track a fourth time that night man people went crazy they're like ah it's track again what's this track and 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 at the time i didn't think about it but as as time passed along it was genius what he was doing he was like bringing it in and out because it would have been too much for them to just take all at once it was too different when he came the fourth time people were dancing weird like moving in ways they never moved before people were on the floor this guy was on his back kicking his legs up in the air i don't know why he's doing that you know and then we all started like just slam dancing which is a dance that where you just bump into each other like a wave and everybody just ramming each other and just dancing and going crazy and and you know that was the craziest experience i ever had to one of my own own tracks Ron Hardy's a huge catalyst in Acid House. But 
after that, I kept hearing rumors that Ron Hardy got this crazy track called Ron Hardy's Acid Track. During that period of time, um, you would sneak in a club with a micro cassette recorder and try to record Ron's sets so that you can have it for yourself. That's how you, you got his, his mixes. He wasn't making no mixtapes. The rumor kept going around. And one day a friend of mine said, Hey, I got that Ron Hardy's acid track on tape. I said, Oh man, I got to hear this track. I got to hear it. And then he plays the track. I was like, wait a minute. That, that, that's not, that's not Ron Hardy's track. That's our track. He's like, man, get out of there. Ain't your track. I said, that's our track. And then, so I pulled the track out. I had the cassette in my pocket because I carried it everywhere. And then I put it in and he's like, wow. He said, man, they calling this Ron Hardy's acid track. I said, I know I heard about it. I said, okay, well, then we're just going to take off the Ron Hardy and this acid track. And that's how it got his name. And it's playing in a music box for like a year before it came out. So it just bubbled under for like a long, super long time before it even got on record. No one knew what made the sound. They would ask me, man, how did you make that sound? What did you use? I used to say a Juno 106 all the time because I ain't want no one to know. I was like, no, that's our secret sound. That's our secret sauce right there. We can't, we can't tell no one because then everybody be doing it. Then we won't be unique. How Marshall found out about the sound because I reached out to him when they was performing at the powerhouse. And so when I went there, they were performing on stage. The stage was all the way real high. I put my hand up. I had my name on the paper. It said, I'm DJ Pierre. I'm with a group called Future. We made the track that Ron Hardy is playing called Acid Track. And so Marshall hit me up the next day. We eventually got in the studio. But... Marshall made this track called I Lost Control that was playing in a music box. It had no acid on it. Then when the record came out, it had acid on it. I was like, hold on a minute. He didn't even know about that until he met us. And I Lost Control came out before our record. <laughs> and I was like, so that's when people be like, I think Marshall did acid first. I was like, no, he didn't. He brought us in the studio and then he's seen the 303 and then he's he put it on i lost control on on the b-side mix so but anyway i mean i'm pretty sure marshall didn't think it was going to be a thing he, he was like oh okay that's just another keyboard i'm gonna put that weird sound on my track but really he found out about the acid because he brought us in the studio and he found out what we use and then after that it was over everybody in chicago knew i'm like marshall did you just go tell everybody you know we're trying to be unique for a minute you know <laughs> this is like mainly how the atmosphere was in chicago we were always kind of competing with one another but we were very very competitive in terms of we would compete as if it's a basketball game. If I made a track, I'm calling one guy on the phone and he said, yeah, well, I got a better track than that. Check this one out. And we're listening to each other's music over the phone and we're, we're kind of like laughing, talk stuff, but it, it wasn't like, like a, a mean spirited thing. It was just a, it was just a fun thing. Like, like just crap talking to each other. You know, these drum machines cost a lot of money. The only reason why we got that 303, cause 
it wasn't a popular item and it was like just 40 bucks in the second hand shop but for a 909 a 707 well not 707 but 909 and an 808 those things were like a thousand bucks and that's the 80s so that's crazy that's mad but it was an 808 and a 909 that was going around chicago and i, and I don't never know who's whose it was but it'll be like we'll be like yo uh tyree you got the 909 no, no, KLX, he got it. It's like, oh, Armando has it. He, he said he, he, he need to make a beat. It's like, well, tell him I need it. So we would like call each other and get this drum machine and everybody would take care of this machine. And it'll be like, we were like a library. Like we were checking it out like a book. We were just handed around and it just went all over the whole city. Everybody took great care of it because they knew if something happened to that, they not going to get it back the next week or the next month to make their beat with it. So it was amazing how in sort of a way it was a community mindset that we were using something that none of us could have afforded on our own. Even my 303, I let people use my 303. I always had to be like, hey, man, don't mess with none of the patterns on Bank 7. Those are mine. I don't want to hear no record and my my uh, acid joints are on there. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> So we were just kind of fun like that, but we were competitive, but we were all unified and, and it was so much love in that scene. And it's the first time we actually interacted with people that were, um, that were like, uh, either homosexual or whatever. We never, we never under a normal circumstance, if you didn't know anyone. So we used to go to the clubs that played the house music and the warehouse and stuff. And these were gay clubs. But once you went in there and you heard the music, then that, that wall comes down and, and it goes to just what house music did. It, it broke down a wall to be like, okay, it's okay. Everything's good. We kicking it. We partying. We doing, what we doing. And it doesn't even make a difference what someone's sexual orientation is because we're all there as one partying together in the same place. And during that time, that was a big thing. My name is DJ Pierre. I'm from the group Future. And we are the first creators of Acid House Music. Well, I would say the Acid Sound and from Chicago. And uh, my mission in life is to encourage and promote positivity through music. Music is my weapon of choice. You come with your, your negative, uh, connotations and stuff based on, uh, however you, you got information about the environment or whatever, but it's, it's completely washed away. It's just gone. Like, like you're into the music and next thing you know, you're not acting weird. You're not feeling uncomfortable or nothing. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, wow, it's this love based on the music that connects us all together. It makes us all part of the same community, which is this house music community. And it begins to be more of a, of a family atmosphere. And then you end up gaining friendship out of this. You're meeting people and you see them somewhere else. And you're like, oh, that that's homeboy from the club or whatever, because that moment is bigger 
part of that bigger family that's within the club communities community is actually bigger and it transcends more than just trying to maintain a, a status quo because you realize how bogus the status quo is because you realize that those things are constructs that keep us separate This thing means that on a deeper level, we're all connected because it's not about us as an individual. And then it just grows from there. So for me, it was a pretty, pretty big experience and impact uh, on my life, you know. And I think most people that get into house music come to the point of realizing that color and all this other stuff is just corny, like how we allow these silly things to kind of impact our life in such a way that that can bring out a, a darker side that that isn't even who you really are for the most part i think it's a refuge i think it's the dance floor of course because we're all sharing uh the same feelings in a in a, in a unified moment in the same place in the same environment but it's also the fact that especially at that point in time, house music expressed so much love. So if you're feeling like a love feeling, then you, you can't, hate and love cannot exist in the same space. So if, if that's what you're feeling from the inside, it eradicates any negative or hate that's inside of you. It's more in, an encouraging type thing, positive vibes more than any other music. I think Record Mirror was the first magazine interview I believe I had. And um, when he was expressing all that was going on in Europe, I found it very unbelievable. You know, I was like, really? Like, how are they, they getting to our music like that? And it just didn't make sense to me. And I just thought to myself, being in America, I was thinking, okay, it must be. I said, okay, cool. So they... They get into our music over there. But subconsciously, in my mind, I imagined it was other black people there. It was this big, huge black scene. Because in America, people may not realize it was, it was very segregated in terms of everything, whether it's music or whatever it is. It's just everything is segregated in the U.S. House music people were either black people or Mexican, Spanish people. And um, so in my mind, I'm thinking that's who I'm going to see. So when I went over there, I was like, ah, oh. I said, they, they in the house music? That same dichotomy, that same thick black and white line, I just expected was everywhere. I just, I just thought it was just, that's just the world. That's just how it is. So when I went to Europe and I seen like all the parties I'm playing, it's all like 90% like white people. I'm thinking, how are they how are they even into our music like this? What made them get into it? Well, I was just doing parties and being amazed that at this is I never expected my audience to look like this, but it, it was for me it was a healing process because it, it, in America 
I had never gotten any positive type of uh, attention from from white people mostly. I had white friends as as a kid, a couple of really really great friends as a kid, but becoming a, an adult and growing up, I just had a lot way more negative experiences to imagine it being different anywhere else. Experiencing that experience in in the UK, it totally lifted a weight off of me that I didn't know was there. Imagine being a person that thinks all these people like have negative thoughts towards you and don't like you or feel this way towards you. You're assuming that that's just how it is outside of your environment as well because the information you get doesn't say anything contrary to that. So that's what you got. So when I went to Europe and after it, it took a few trips for it to fully weigh in that, wow, you're projecting your history onto this, this whole country. Like whatever's happening in the U S it was happening here. So why, what's going on? How they good with this? So you, you end up realizing how much you don't know how ignorant you are to how things work outside of your own environment, your own country. So when I went back, it was very important for me to be able to also take this weight off for anyone I knew, my friends and everything off of their shoulders as well, to be like, hey, you know what? The whole world don't hate us. You know, that's, we can go outside of this country and get treated better. And, and so when, when someone knows that, it, it almost gives them like, uh, a hope. It all, it almost makes them realize that, okay, so I can, I can go, I can get out of this, this toxic environment if I, if I want to, if I need to, I can escape it to something better, you know? So I, I wanted to gift that to people that I knew so that they can actually feel it, it takes the weight off of you and you feel like okay we don't have to you know we're not seen the same way as we are here everywhere else and i thought that was really important for them to know that how the uk youth movement just got built around acid house for me is it's so crazy but the funny thing is is it is a sound that is so unique and so much set apart from anything else that it absolutely makes sense because you had so many people that hated it you know in terms of adults every adult hated the sound politicians parents business people everybody who 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 wanted to keep a child in line hated that sound hence the name acid it had a perfect name for the youth to grab on to to throw in the face of of every parent and an adult and government that they were angry at it was a new underground music and people were loving it and they just wanted and it was a music that brought people together and it, it stopped them from hanging out in bars fighting and stuff, which the adults should have loved. 
it's funny how on one hand they they probably hated the fighting, but they liked it even less the parties and stuff because the parties were the youth organizing and doing what they wanted to do. This here was was the youth taking control over something that the adults didn't even understand. So they had something that had a name and it had an image. And that image was that smiley face. So they had that and they had it branded and they were putting it on the flyers and it just really was like in your face. You know, you can't stop us. And, and, and we were in Chicago not even knowing what's going on, just fueling the fire. More and more tracks, more and more stuff out there. They probably hated us. They didn't even want Future to come out there. They're like, what, what group made acid track? Okay, you guys can't come in the country. Because I was told when I first came there to not disclose the fact that I was one of the members of Future and I did Acid House. They wanted a total disconnect. And this music was that. It was like, bam, this is this is us. This is about us. It's, it's not about anyone else. I'm comfortable with being the spark. Like like I lit the match and, and just tossed it. And s- someone put some gasoline down and boosh, it just went up in flames. I think that's an easier way to to connect to it, you know. I think what house music did was really made Ibiza accessible for the next generation. It's becoming a, a party island for like the young and rich or not rich. It's just where to go. If you don't have no money, you save up all year to go. So to me, it, it really made it accessible to all walks of life, I think. And I think in an interesting way, that is the best thing that could have ever happened to Ibiza. Even then, it seemed like the island had just had that vibe. Like, when you got there, you just like, we're in a different world right now. It's like, bam, that's the vibe that's here. And uh, house music actually fits that vibe perfect. Your heartbeat is at a a certain pace that's going to be more closer to, like, house music, you know, than anything else. And all you hear is the bass, you know. Yeah, that's a that's that's a primal thing right there. That beat, people connect to the music, but it's based on that that beat, and the beat drives the music. That beat is the foundation of the music, and when the beat changes, the found foundation changes, and usually it ushers in a whole different vibe and, and mood to the music. When you do go out, you go out with the purpose of letting loose. And I think this was the perfect music for it, you know?